warming my body. I'm about to let myself soak inside this completely when I'm captured by an idea. The sun does not break up into pieces. It does not break up into disembodied parts when it falls into trees and things. Each piece of the sun is always a complete little sun. I'm coming back into my arms and legs in the goal mouth, ready to explain the thousand suns to Jimmy and Cyril. I'm excited. They will believe me this time. It won't seem stupid when I speak it like it often does. And then they look at me, rolling their eyeballs and telling me that my marbles are lost, that I can say that again. They are coming close. Jimmy is shouting. Before I fully return to myself, a hole in my ear rips open. The ball hits the center of my face. I fall. Goal! A thousand suns erupt with wet laughter. Even the radio is laughing. I look up and see them both leaning over me, dripping sweat, arms akimbo. Jimmy rolls his eyes and says, You've lost your marbles. I'm thirsty, says Cyril. Me too, says Jim, and they run. And I want to stand and run with them. My face hurts. Juma, our dog, is licking my face. I lean into his stomach. My nose pushes into his fur. The sun is below the trees. The sky is clear. And I am no longer broken up and distributed. I scramble and jump to my feet. Juma whines like a car winding down. I pump my feet forward pulling my voice out and throwing it forward to grab hold of their first resolution. Hey! I shrill. Even me, I'm thirsty. They don't hear me. They are headed away from the kitchen, and I follow them into the long clumps of uncut grass at the top of the garden, Jumar at my heels. As they weave in and out of Baba's tractors, swerve to avoid dog shit, run through shade and fading sun, past little eruptions of termites in Kikuyu grass and forgotten heaps of farm spare parts piled behind the hedge that separates the main house from the servants' quarters. Then they turn, shouting, Hi! to Zablon. The cuckoo is washing dishes outside in his white vest and blue trousers and lifebuoy soap and charcoal smell. I shout, Hi! too, now flowing well into their movements. They stop, then turn to our regular racetrack, down the path from the servants' quarters to the kitchen. I find them there, Juma's nose nudging Jim's leg, and I watch them pour the cool liquid down their throats from glasses, see it spill off the sides of their cheeks. Jimmy has learned to pull the whole glass of water down in one move. It streams down the pipe, marble bubbles running down a soft, translucent tube of sound, like a frog. He slams his glass on the countertop, burps, and turns to look at me. What is thirst? The word splits up into a hundred small suns. I lift my glass and look up. Siru is looking at me, her glass already empty as she wipes her lips on her forearm. I'm in my bedroom alone. I have a glass of water. I want to try to gulp it down like Jimmy does. This word, thirst, thirsty, it is a word full of resolution. It drives a person to quick action. Words, I think, must be concrete things. Surely there cannot be suggestions of things, vague pictures scattered, shifting sensations. 
Sometimes we like to steal Baba's old golf balls and throw them into a fire. First they curl in a kind of ecstasy, like a cat being stroked. Then they arch, start to bubble and bounce. Then they shoot out of the fire like bullets, skinned and free. Below the skin are tight wraps of rubber band. And we can now unroll them and watch the balls getting smaller and smaller. And the rubber bands unfold so long, it does not seem possible they came out of the small hard ball. I want to be certainly thirsty, like Jimmy and Cyril. Water has more shape and presence than air, but it is still colorless. Once you have the shape of water in your mouth, you discover your body, because water is clear. It lets you taste your mouth, feel the pipe shape of your throat and the growing ball of your stomach as you drink.